You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and before I tell you what we have coming up on the programme tonight, I have to pass on my congratulations to all the regional winners in Munster that were announced last week at the Irish Restaurant Awards in the Limerick Strand Hotel. We must of course highlight the West Limerick successes which included not one, not two but three accolades for 1826 Adair. Best Chef, Best Restaurant and Best Restaurant Manager in Limerick. So well done to Wade, Elaine and team there. Staying in Adair, the Dunraven Hotel's restaurant got best service. Tom Flavin from Arda, who is the executive chef at the Limerick Strand Hotel, led his team to victory in the best hotel restaurant category. So best of luck to everyone going forward to the All-Ireland final in May. We'll be keeping an eye out for that to see how they all get on. And on with the programme tonight, which is focusing on Derry, a.k.a. the Maiden City. I travelled there a few weeks ago for St. Patrick's Day with the family to enjoy the legendary food festival. And it's been, I'd say, around seven years since I was last there. And it has really grown and developed in culinary terms since then, because when I was there the last time, it was with two friends and we really had difficulty identifying a good restaurant to eat or dinner in. But... Fortunately, this is no longer the case and we were spoiled for choice on our visit. Before I tell you who I had a chance to talk to when I was there to find out about the culinary attributes of the city, a reminder about how you can get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. I'm always delighted to hear from you. So if you're a chef, a home cook, food producer or maybe you've even been to Derry City, I'm always interested in hearing your story and news. So please do drop me a line to s.noonan at live.ie or alternatively, I'm on Twitter with my nickname, Queen of Organisation, so you'll find me there as Queen of Org. So, as I said, tonight's show is full of guests I met in Derry. There's the award-winning chef Ian Orr, the buffalo meat farmer Barry O'Brien, the sister Siobhan Riley, who has turned a horse box into a mobile pub. I really liked that one. A butcher who teamed up with his hairdresser turned beggar wife. And there's even a Kerry Donegal collaboration. So lots to hear on tonight's show. But first, we're going to look at a cheese producing couple, Julie and Kevin Hickey, who have an interesting story. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kevin and Julie Hickey, you're from Tamna Foods, which is a county dairy company that produces a number of different products, one of which is a range of cheeses. And usually whenever I come across a cheese maker, it's because they have a relationship with farming life. But you're not even from Northern Ireland originally, Julie. No, no, no farming connection and, and no connection to Northern Ireland. But um, cheese, I was always in kind of food production, food service. And uh, Kevin and I had a restaurant about 15 years ago in Derry City. And one of the things that we noticed was there was a lack of cheese production in this area, whereas down south there's kind of an, an abundance of, of world-class cheeses up here. There didn't seem to be any, and it was just something that stuck in our minds as, as something. It was something that I was interested in as a home cheese maker to, to see if we could take it, uh, take it bigger and develop it on a commercial scale. So that's the road we went down. Whenever somebody decides to do something like this, it's not something they take on lightly. There must be a lot of research involved initially. 
Yes, there's been a, a tremendous amount. It's been a, a quite a learning curve, um, both from the kind of production end of things and um, kind of uh, converting uh, the premises um, to make sure that it's up to standard from a health and hygiene uh, standpoint and, and, and up to code. Um, so yeah, it's been a long process and we've been working with the council um, and yeah, just, I mean, the research is ongoing and in, into how to produce the best product we can. The ingredients must be hugely important, Kevin, whenever it comes to producing any sort of a product, but especially whenever it's something that you don't have control over where those raw ingredients come from. Yes, yeah, so we've been very committed since we started out in terms of sourcing our milk supply locally. So we work with a group of local farmers, so we collect the milk from them, and that allows us then to have some, some control over where the milk comes from. Uh, and that's the milk we use then. They obviously, we what's called batch pasteurise, uh, in our machine, uh, so all our cheese range would be all pasteurised cow's milk cheeses at the moment. Uh, but, but no, we enjoy working with the local farmers. They're they're very good. I'm not from a farming background myself. I'm from Derry City, but uh, the 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 they're very great to work with. So obviously the cows are. I love cows. <laughs> I would love to own cows, <laughs> but we don't have any at the moment. What was the reaction whenever the city boy came out looking for milk to make cheese? Uh, I think the locals thought we were slightly mad, (laughs) but uh, as time has worn on, I think with us winning awards and now that they've seen the range of cheeses that we've made and the fact that uh, we've actually used local names, townland names and regional names, uh, to name the cheeses, I think they've certainly seen the merits of what we're trying to do. Well, Julie, let's talk about each of the cheeses here. There is one, two, three, four. Is there five in the range? There are currently five, um, and we've got two more in development. Uh, hopefully, at some point this year, uh, we'll we'll be releasing um, two further cheeses. But but as it stands, there are five. Uh, we have uh, the Sparrow Blue Cheese, which is they're all uh, cow's milk uh, made with a vegetarian rennet. It's it's kind of a, a mild, creamy blue. Uh, the Dart Mountain Dusk is an ash-coated uh, cheese that we age. It, it, people seem to find it most like a, a mature cheddar. Uh, the Banneher Bold is is the one that I'm, I'm most pleased with at the moment, and we just won um, a gold at the World Cheese Awards for it. Uh, it's a it's a beer wash cheese, and we partnered with a local brewery over in Campsey, and I wash the wheels of cheese in their beer, um, and that gives it a very distinctive uh, rind and a distinctive flavor. Uh, we have the Kilcreen, which is made to an Emmental recipe. Uh, it's an Alpine style cheese, you know, kind of sweet and nutty. Uh, and then our most recent one, um, which we haven't really officially released yet, but uh, we're getting some very good feedback on it, is the Trichiran, which is a long age. It's an extra hard cheese, kind of uh, akin to a, a Parmesan, like a Grana-style cheese. So how do you come up with the ideas for the different flavors? Where does the inspiration come from? Oh, I'm just, you know, looking around at, at the cheeses that already exist. And, you know, I suppose we're all trying to reinvent the wheel to some extent. But, um, you know, it's it's just, it, it's a fascinating process. You're starting with one one core ingredient, and yet the permutations to what you can come up with are endless. And I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with rind formation and, and different interesting uh, bacterial things that go on on rind so I spend a lot of time kind of thinking about you know how I want the cheese to look how I want it to smell how I want it to taste and then go about experimenting um, and reading every book under the sun uh, on cheese making trying to come up with a 
formula? I'm sure whenever you were studying politics at Queen's University on your year out from the US, if somebody had said to you, fast forward a number of years and you'd be making cheese in the Sparrow Mountains, you would have said, I, I don't think so. <laughs> yes, it, it, hasn't been a, it hasn't been a terribly logical uh, um, path, but I, you know, I don't know how many of us kind of follow a straight line um, and, you know, Whatever, whatever detours have been in the way, it's led me to a place that I'm very happy to be. Well, that's the great thing about life, isn't it? We never know what twists and turns it's going to take. Which one is your best-selling cheese here? And I'll have a little taste of it. Uh, probably right now, everybody's very excited about the Banner Bowl. It got a, a lot of press from the World Cheese Awards. And, and again, uh, you know, as we're kind of making connections with other producers in the Dairy City area and, and further afield, um, we were especially happy to be able to work with Northbound um, and, and use another local product. I think it's just... It's just a, it's just an interesting process and nice to work with with other like-minded people who are trying to create something new um, and distinctive for the area. Okay, well, while I'm having a little tiny taste of this, why don't you tell me then about all the, the different awards you've had? Because I do see, and you've mentioned the World Cheese Awards and the Great Taste Awards, and I see a Blossom Aaron sticker there as well. Yeah, I was very pleased about that to go down um, uh, to Dingle and uh, the Spare and Blue uh, won a gold at Bloss, and that was that was really gratifying. Um, the, the Bold has won a Great Taste Award and the World Cheese Award. The Dart is also a World Cheese Award and a, and a Great Taste Award and the Kilcreen uh, Great Taste Award. So it's been it's very very nice that way. The Chakiran has no uh, no medals yet, but we haven't uh, we haven't really released it yet. So hopefully one will follow. Early days yes. yet. Early days. How important are awards like those to the business, Kevin? Well, at the very start, uh, obviously to get our name out there, the words I think were very important because it allowed us to sort of have some sort of independent recognition of the quality standard that we were aiming for. And the, obviously, once you get the word, you're pure in sort of lusts, and then people become more aware of you and start trying to find out more about you. Uh, and certainly from people who have delis and independent shops, they would sort of source their supplies from lusts that are printed by Blossom Heron and the Great Taste Awards. Uh, and then from a consumer standpoint, when they see the label on the product, they have some level of so- sort of security that the product is actually of a high standard. So that's been very good from a sales standpoint. There's no doubt about that. Are you widely available throughout Ireland? We, uh, we have two distributors, um, and then we do a lot of kind of independent sales to retailers, um, but it's, it's always something we're looking, looking to expand. Kevin, uh, Kevin is, the, is the champion of kind of moving the product. I make the product, and he moves the product. So. Is export an opportunity for you, or is it something that you're doing already, given that you're from the U.S. originally? Uh, we have done export uh, with our range of granolas. We had a contract with a, a, a big company in Switzerland uh, who was distributing to, they had 14 delis, um, and that was very good. Um, and I think that came on the back of, of uh, gold and silver one for our granolas at Blossom um, so with the cheese, obviously, yes, I mean, that would be that would be great as far as I was concerned to kind of come full circle and have my cheeses available back home would be would be fantastic. I do sense that cheese is the passion for the business, but you're mentioning the granola there and you do have a few other products in the range. Yeah, we have the granola range and then we have a, a, a range of five chutneys. Um, and but no, the cheese is, is kind of the the core of the business and it's yeah to me it's kind of endlessly fascinating um, and as I say there's more cheeses in development uh, uh, coming that later this year so 
but uh, you know they all form you know they all form part of the business and and they're all they all add different things to the business and reach different markets um, which allows the business to continue to grow I would imagine the chutneys are the perfect accompaniment to the cheese yes they have all been designed uh, to, to pair with the cheese um, and we've got a, a, a new range of kind of January was product development month so we've got a range uh, uh, of new flavors coming out chutney wise so oh, do tell what what new flavors have you and what are the existing flavors well uh, right now we have uh, rhubarb we have a sweet onion we have a beetroot pickle um, and we have a hamburger relish um, and then we have a farmhouse which just has every last thing from the polytunnel piled into it uh, courgettes and onions and apples and things um, and then I've got a flavor coming out we've got a pear one we've got a nectarine and date one um, just different different ones that, that I'm that I'm working on. So. You mentioned the polytunnel there. Are you growing a lot of those ingredients we grow, yourself? We grow a certain amount of it. Obviously, certain things we can't uh, we can't manage, um, but uh, but we like to try and grow as much as possible, if only for our, our own enjoyment. So. You certainly have your hands full with all these different products and sourcing different ingredients. How many are employed by the business? Uh, at the moment, it's just myself, Kevin, and my wife, Julie. It's just the two of us. <laughs> so it's a two-person operation, and we work basically seven days a week. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of hard work, but obviously we love doing what we're doing. Uh, hopefully at some point uh, in the next 12 months, we're hoping to take somebody on at least to give us a handout. God, it must be very long days and long weeks whenever it is just the two of you because you do have such an extensive product range and a very impressive one at that. Yes, well obviously the, the product range is there's sort of two reasons for that. When we obviously make a batch of cheese, the next day the cheese is sitting on the press in the maker. Um, we prefer not to make a type when that's sitting there in the maker. So that's the day in between cheese mix. We make the granola and the jars. So uh, that's why it's set up sort of like that. And obviously with the chutneys, they'll always, they've been designed to go with our cheeses. And then the granolas, just because we love granola. And uh, we had a lot of good feedback from our granola, but we decided we'd make it commercially. And that's been very good as well. Whenever you say you had a lot of good feedback from it, was that from visitors to stand with you at the farm? Uh, well, we had, well, Julie's family would have come over from American State. Uh, and then obviously my own family here in Derry would have had a taste of the granola, so... So we can never say when people tell us this is great, you should make it. We just can't ignore that. <laughs> of course, like that's business savvy for you. Was this was the granola something that you were making, or was it Kevin? No, I was making it. It was just something, and and you sort of you just I was kind of making it at home, and people kept saying like, "Can I get some of that granola?" And then we just got an idea that that uh, that it might uh, go to a wider audience. So um. fantastic. Well, a great product range between the cheese, the the chutneys and the and the granola there and you have a lovely chopping board here today yeah. are those handmade uh no i, I got a local man uh they make me up obviously he works with wood so he did the chopping boards in the shape of a cow and then engraved them for me so with our logo so yes that was just a new thing just to add for the crack as they say so uh no that's going down well here all the kids are lifting it up and then the parents feel under pressure <laughs> pastor power there's nothing like <laughs> yes. it well listen it's been lovely to meet both of you thanks so much for the taste of the banner gold cheese really lovely nutty flavor too it's really delicious so i must get some of that and best of luck here today thank and continued much. success with the business thank you very much thank you you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
Welcome back to the best possible taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Just before the break, you heard me talking to award-winning cheesemakers Julie and Kevin Hickey from Tamna Foods, and that was recorded during my recent visit to the legendary food festival, as are all of tonight's interviews. And don't worry, if you have missed any of the show so far, it will be up in the podcast later in the week, and you'll find the podcast on SharonNoonan.com, or you can also subscribe to the show free of charge using iTunes and download it and even use the podcast app. Still to come tonight, I will be talking to award-winning chef Ian Orr. Next up, though, I have a mashup of chats to share with you, and that includes the Buffalo meat farmer, Barry O'Brien, Siobhan Riley, who turned a horse box into a mobile pub, butcher Kieran Breslin, who teamed up with his hairdresser turned baker wife, a match made in heaven in more ways than one, I'm sure you'll agree, and a Kerry Donegal collaboration between Melanie Hardy from Listowel, who is well known for her hot jellies. Let's have a listen. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Barry, great to meet you. And you're from Ballyriff Buffalo. So you have water buffalo in your farm. We do indeed. Uh, we farm a, a herd of about 80 plus at the moment. So we do. And um, we've been farming them now for seven years. And we've been using them for meat for the last couple of years. And it's, uh, it's a bit of a niche market for us. Because I've come across buffalo where they're using the milk for mozzarella cheese, for example. So you are actually doing it for the meat. Yeah, we are indeed. Um, we know that there's uh, McCroom buffalo down in Cork have been using their buffalo uh, for mozzarella. Um, I had a bit of a butchery background and we decided we'd move into something because uh, standard farming just wasn't paying. So it wasn't, and it was going to be a case of the, the farm would probably run into decline. Um, so we meshed the two together, Dad obviously with a farming background. We looked at buffalo and with, as I say with the butchery background we decided we'd give it a go and it's it's proven successful so far. What sort of farming were you in before? Uh, originally we were beef farms we were. Um, we'd been beef farming for several years. Uh, prior to that my grandfather's time we were a milk herd um, and it's just been a, a decline. Milk started to decline, we moved into beef, beef started to decline. Um, and it's just because of commercial farming and the way everything's been pushed on, you have to be competitive or you're, you're forced out. Um, so we decided to move into the buffalo and that's thankfully so far it's been very successful for us. And what's the main difference between farm and beef cattle compared to buffalo? Um, they actually are quite similar, so they are. Um, the only difference really is with buffalo there's no veterinary intervention, so there's no um, injections. Have to be, they're quite a, a hardy animal obviously being from, from the wild. Um, as well as that, they are fed mainly on a diet of silage and grass. So there's no commercial meal goes into them like we would have with uh, standard beef that would push it on to, to make it thrive. So tell me about the benefits of eating buffalo compared to, say, ordinary cattle meat. Um, as I touched on before, it's incredibly low in fat. It's actually nearly on a par with uh, chicken and venison, so it is. Um, there's only like one and a half grams of fat. But the studies carried out in every hundred grams with buffalo. Um, the fats that are in it are actually seen to be good for people with heart conditions, um, as well as that is high in omega-3, uh, iron, calcium, um, and it's a lot, as I say, higher in protein than ordinary standard beef. Um, coupling all them health benefits with the, the, the overall taste being very similar to beef, it's no surprise that a lot of people are 
bucking the trend were say and using it instead of ordinary beef. And do you find that it is a hard sell to people that maybe don't really care about the health benefits? Is it very much the sort of meat that people that are into their health and fitness that are going for? No, um, what we found is a lot of people actually find it very hard to get their head around that it's buffalo, full stop. Um, there's a lot of uh, you get a lot of funny faces when they read the signs and see a buffalo farm. Um, but what's tend to happen is that's why we tend to give samples out with a lot of the farmers markets and that we do. And people are very pleasantly surprised by the taste. Um, as one woman best described it to me, it's like what beef used to taste like. Um, and we, we can do no more than that. The health benefits are just a plus on top of a, a great taste. Well, that was going to be my next question. What does it taste like? Obviously, with something like venison, there is a very strong, distinctive flavour of venison. But whenever you have a customer telling you it's what beef used to taste like like that's a huge selling point yeah it, it's massive um like well, we brought the original animals out from italy it's a huge part of the mediterranean diet now so it is it's been substituted in now instead of a lot of beef the health benefits are just as i say a huge plus but the taste itself it is slightly sweeter than ordinary beef you get a lovely aftertaste as well um even with the burgers and the sausages you can you nearly can get a taste that you're eating a quality bit of steak and it's that what we have found even if people try it and walk away they come back several minutes later and they're like i still can taste that that's beautiful and that's that's where a big selling point for us fantastic well it's always great to see people doing something different and something innovative so thanks for sharing the story today not a problem at all thank you my name is Siobhan Riley. I'm co-owner of the Giddy Box. We are a converted rice buffer trailer, um, horse trailer. We've converted into a mobile bar. She can be taken to any good event, any shindigree, um, be it a party, wedding, 50th. Um, we've set up, we have converted the trailer that she's a mobile bar, but we are happy to sell anything in it really. <laughs> um, for this weekend, we're serving some family friendly milkshakes, um, a spring shake and a homemade lemonade. I love the way you call it she. You give oh, it, yes. you know, it's very personal, <laughs> that's very cool. Um, yes, we have affectionately named her Alice um, after our nanny and we are hoping that in a wee while nobody will have to ask who the heck is Alice, <laughs> really. Where did the idea come from to convert a horse box into a mobile bar? Well, I had seen uh, a rice um, around locally and I just thought it had a lovely shape to it. Um, I was always looking to do something with my sister and her background's in events, mine's customer service. So we were looking for a challenge, we wanted to do something, we just thought this was unique. Um, I watch a lot of George Clark's amazing spaces. <laughs> um, so we did have challenges, we had a few hurdles as the horse people would say, um, in terms of the hot water system, um, maximising our space because we are limited in you know, um, manoeuvrability within the trailer but um, we, we took everything with um, a great enjoyment and um, we, we do, we, we're actually giddy every time we get into her, we, we are, she's still very new and fresh to us, we love her. The attention to detail is very noticeable because this looks like a beautiful wood that you've used to insert the, the shelves into and the cupboards and your sinks. Yes, um, we were very lucky, we um, used a carpenter, Ely Furniture in Enskillen. Now we actually approached him in November. Um, right before the big busy Christmas the uh, Christmas period and um, he was he was booked up but he couldn't let the trailer go off his street either because he, he loved it as much as we did. He liked the idea of the challenge. Loved it like and as he said it's not every day a horse trailer lands on your doorstep so he actually booked out the next week in his diary and him and his two workers um, the three of them all worked together for the full week to get it um, to get the woodwork 
done. Now we, we had to come back to him in January once he, he saw it with other customers um, for a few wee things, but um, we were very fortunate and he's done an amazing job. Uh, a lot of people think it's reclaimed wood, but it's not. It's all done fresh and new. We wouldn't have the time to um, find the, the wood. So when you go to events then, you're very particular about the sort of drinks that you serve because you try to keep it as authentic and local to the area that you're in? Yes, we like to use as much local produce as possible, um, wherever the event may be. Um, a particular favourite of ours is the Boatyard Gin from Fermanagh, the Boatyard Distillery. It's a new gin. Um, we will use Ruby Blue Vodka. When we're in Derry, we'll use The Quiet Man. But also... Um, even in terms of our, our herbs and our lemons, we try and, you know, get them as local as possible. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's all right in that we want to we want to promote local business, we want to promote local produce, and in turn, you know, um, I think you can, you can taste the difference as well. Fair play to you. Well, it is a very striking unit. I'm sure you'll have lots of success with it during the summer months at all the agriculture type events that are on. Yes, the agricultural fairs. When we first started out, we thought it was going to be the weddings and the hens, and we've we've just been blown away by the equine world, just how much they have taken to it. Um, the horse and industry have really, really taken it on board. And again, I think even the name, the name helps as well. The giddy box. Um, but but yes, we we have some big events lined up and some agricultural shows that we're due to go to in the summer. Um, we've four months that are pretty much booked out, so it's all good. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on doing something so different and novel. It's great to see it. Enjoy the rest of the festival. Thank you very much. Kieran, you have a great story. Your wife and yourself came together in the perfect food collaboration a number of years ago. She was a hairdresser, but a good home baker, and you were a butcher. Tell us what happened. Well, I started off as I've been a butcher for about all my life, really. My father's a butcher all his life, so I've been on it from a very young age. Uh, Melanie, she was a hairdresser for 15 years, very high pressure, stressful job, and was always a home baker. Her mama was a baker, and her grandmother was a baker, all fantastic bakers, all their recipes come from a rural family, and there's always baking going on in the houses at all times. So Melanie needed a wee change of career, and this is where Primrose, the idea for Primrose came along, almost six years ago now. And it's a casual dining place. It is indeed. Um, it started off just with a wee small cafe in Carlisle Road. Um, it was a wee bit of home bacon, that's what the idea was. Nice coffee, nice home bacon. And it just literally took feet of its own. And we've got two premises now with the standalone bakery. And there's a squad of about 30 people now involved in both places. Wow, that's a huge, an, a huge number of people to be employing and to be managing. So you must, be, you must have great leadership skills. Well, we have a great team about us. We couldn't do anything without the good team that we have about us. We have good managers in both places and we have a fantastic team of bakers. There's five bakers down in the standalone bakery now, just ensuring that we've got good quality, fresh products every single morning, seven days a week in the restaurants. Because you're a butcher and you're baking your own goods as well, then the quality of the, the food you're producing must be top-notch. Yeah, but quality is everything to us. As I say, we have got two butcher shops and it ensures us again having the best produce around. We can hand pick, we can use all the best produce that we've got available to us. Um, we use as much local suppliers as we possibly can. Obviously seasons depend on that, but we do ensure as much of it as possible as within about 10 mile radius. You've won a few awards along the way as well, haven't you? Well, we won a big one on it, which is fantastic. Uh, we won Best Casual Dining in County Derry in the Ulster Regionals of the Irish Restaurant Association Awards. So that's us through to Dublin now and hopefully, fingers crossed, we can carry it on. What does winning an award like that mean to you and your business? 
Well, it just it, it gives us a wee bit of recognition for all the hard work we've been doing this last five years. I say it's really good. We've got a fantastic team about us, and it's a, a wee bit of recognition for them too. They do all the hard work. Well, congratulations on your success to date and continued success. Thank you very much. Pleased to meet you. Well, I'm here in Derry, and my my five-year-old daughter every now and again would say, "What time are we going to be in Kerry?" I mean, Derry. And the last person I expected to meet was Melanie Hardy from Kerry. What brings you to Derry, Melanie? Well, actually, I'm, I suppose I'm Skyvy at the moment. I'm working with somebody else, who, and we're based in Donegal, but we're here in Derry uh, because he supports local, even though we're Kerry and Donegal. So he uses some of my products on his um, uh, pork and beef and coming from a farm, all natural, all homegrown, as he calls it, rather than homemade. Uh, so that's what I'm doing up here. And, and that person that you're here with it's is Thomas Hughes. Right Thomas, yeah. nice to meet you. And nice to meet you too, Sharon. Tell us about what you're selling here today that goes so well with Melanie's jellies. Um, well, we have uh, our homegrown uh, pork, traditionally grown at ho- uh, on the home farm. Um, rather than being fed uh, cereals as pigs normally are, we are going back to basics and feeding all our pigs on uh, boiled and raw potatoes. And uh, we bring that on through to bacon, sausage and burger. So the pork and apple burger is what we combine with uh, Melanie's sage and apple jelly. A perfect combination, I'd say. Perfect combination. It works very, very well and the public are taking to it. And of course, um, all the time asking where can we buy it, where can we buy it. So we carry some of Melanie's products always on the stand and we sell them on direct as well. It works very, very well. So this must be the perfect collaboration for you, Melanie. It is, in a way, because we don't see each other too often, so we always get on when we work together. But it is, it's a combination of using my jellies not just as a cold condiment or, you know, on a sandwich, but also with the hot. And it does. And I, and I mean, the pork and apple burger is absolutely gorgeous. And this friendship developed as a result of Thomas working for another company. Yes, I was sales and market manager with Donegal Rapeseed Oil uh, for six years and basically on the road travelling from Donegal, Cork, Kerry, west of Ireland, Dublin, all over the country and um, met good friends doing that and then whenever I uh, went back to working for myself um, and bringing the farm products uh, through um, I wanted to combine as many of the products that I would have met um, and, and people that I would have met over the years. Um, we would also use the Ballymaloo relish from, uh, from Cork. We have uh, a bat baked locally in Donegal that we uh, use there, O'Donnell's Bakery in Donegal, baked that for us. So we try and combine as much local as we, as we possibly can to go with, um, as I say, the home-produced uh, Angus beef and the uh, traditionally reared pork. Whenever I've been talking to other people, I, I might say to them, why should people come to Derry? Well, as a Kerry woman, what would you say to somebody? Because it's a long enough drive, but why should they come up all this distance? Um, I suppose I'd never actually been in Derry, even though I've been in the north of Ireland quite a bit over the last few years. Uh, first of all, it's not a long drive anymore. It's only five hours to Legal, town, and then you go up. The scenery alone, an event like this, I've met so many new people. I've met people that I actually had seen at other shows, and so now I'm actually meeting them. But I haven't yet had a chance, because of course I have a slave driver here, um, to get out and look. But even yesterday I was in the Guild Hall for a few minutes to look at the artists and producing there. It's stunning. And we're sitting right on the river. The weather isn't great today, uh, but it's dry. So when, once we're set up, I'm going for a scamper around the place, because I can't go home and say I haven't seen Derry. <laughs>
Isn't it great the collaboration that you've continued to have here and the collaboration that you see here with other producers? It works, I mean, it's it's not just us because we've known each other for a long time, but I mean, there's lots of other people here that I'm learning from and you see a lot of things and the combinations, uh, you know, that can work. And just because we're from two different counties doesn't mean we can't get it to each other. It's very easy now, you know, the distance isn't really such an issue anymore. It's more getting like-minded people to work together and make a better end product for the consumer at the end of the day. Fantastic. Well, listen, the best of luck today selling your burgers. They sound delicious and I'm sure that combination with the sage and apple jelly is just going to go down a treat. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far in the show tonight, we're focusing on the culinary attributes of Derry City, thanks to my recent visit to the legendary food festival. And so far, we've heard from Kevin and Julie Hickey from Tamna Foods, who count award-winning cheeses amongst their portfolio of products. And just before the break, you heard a mix of interviews with a number of people, including Barry O'Brien, who was talking about farming buffalo, Siobhan Riley, who, along with her sister Karen, has started a new business recently by turning a horse box into a mobile pub and it is an extremely cool unit. Butcher Kieran Breslin explained how he joined forces with his wife who changed careers from being a hairdresser to baker and they're now the owners of the award-winning Primrose Bistros in Derry. And to my surprise, Kerry's Melanie Harty was there working away with her pal Thomas Hughes from Lisna Mulligan Farm in Donegal. If you are just tuning in and you want to hear the start of the programme, you can check out the show when it goes up on the podcast later in the week, and you'll find the podcast on SharonNoonan.com or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes, or you can use the podcast app. You'll find it in there Just have a look for best possible taste. Now, the next and final interview this evening is with an award-winning chef. Ian Orr is chef, patron and co-owner of Brown's Restaurant Group and Artara Country House Hotel. He's tipped as one of Northern Ireland's top talents and sure, he's only a young one like myself. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Ian, I want to start off by congratulating you because I think you picked up an award or two there at the Restaurant of Association Ireland Awards in the in the past week or two. We did, Sharon. On Tuesday night, we won a Best Restaurant in County Derry for eight times, which is eight times in, in a row. It's, it's brilliant. Last year, we won it for a Best Restaurant in Ulster, so hopefully we can do it again this year. But for us, it's fantastic for a team. Well, you have a number of restaurants and businesses in your portfolio. Just tell us what those are. So we have four, Sharon. So we have Browns, which is the original, and then we have Browns in Town, which which is basically a more casual offering in the city of the so the the city side of the city. And then we opened a Tara Country House, which is a, a lovely sort of nine bedroom country house in Macara. And then we have lovely Browns in the Green Letter Kenny, which is on a beautiful golf course, and we kind of offer like a bar and grill and also like a high end restaurant. So. As I said, like I have a great business partner behind me, Marcus, so myself and him have been trying to you know, keep on pushing on for the last eight years, and it's been a great journey. Because if you don't mind me saying, you're very young looking to have all these enterprises going. That's because I shaved this morning, Sharon, that's what <laughs> I was, well, a wee bit of a shave, but I, uh, I'm 33 now, as I said, we, we've been together for the last eight years, myself and Marcus, when we met, and it's been a great journey. And look, we've got great support from our team, but... That's the secret of it, Sharon. Like we've great teams in them all, so each restaurant has its own head chef, its own manager, uh, 
So, so it's been a brilliant journey for us. Well, your journey started in Portrush Catering College, which is no longer there, sadly. Yes, back in the day. So I just had a passion. Well, I wanted to be a fireman for sure because my dad's a fireman, but I'm actually colorblind, so you can't be a fireman. And then I wanted to be a farmer. And then for some reason then, I, I just loved to eat, to eat food. It was really just, you know, like I was eating burgers and fish and chips back in the day, but I just had a passion for, for food, and that's where I started. So I started off in a local chip shop, and then I went to basically Portrush Catering College, and that's when the journey started which has been great. In terms of work experience then, tell us about some of the places that you worked once you, you finished your training there. So I worked in a couple of good places in Derry and then I moved, uh, at the time actually with my wife now, but actually then she was my girlfriend, we actually broke up. She she blew me out, Sharon. So I was a bit kind of, uh, you know, upset. So I seen an ad for a, a Michelin star restaurant in Bangor looking for a sous chef. Now I was only 19 years of age. And of course then from Bangor to Derry, that would have been like a world apart. World apart. So it was an hour and a half away. So I decided to move up and it was the best thing. I remember uh, I was I thought I was a sous chef, 19 years of age. Went to a Michelin star restaurant and my old boss, Robbie, was all, can you make a mayonnaise? I was all, no. Can you make ice cream? I was all, no. He says, right. I'll give you a job for X amount a week. And that's where it started. And then myself and Jennifer got back together. We, we went to London. I would have went to London without Jen. Went to a place called the River Cafe, which was just, a, you know, Shanks was quite French and quite strict. And, you know, really like every, every herb had to be perfectly picked. River Cafe was all about the produce, more relaxed, but just it was all about flavour. It was really, really good. Because, of course, back then, a Michelin star restaurant would have been very different to what it, it is now. The criteria has changed somewhat, even though the standard would still be there, but the criteria isn't the same. 100%. When I worked in sort of Michelin star restaurants then, it was all about, it was quite kind of high-end fine dining and, you know, tablecloths and blah blah But now, as you said, it's like, you know, Michelin stars are going to pubs and it's all about food. It's all about good food at the end of the day. But it, but it has changed. And the River Cafe, Jamie Oliver would have been there at some stage. He was there before, so he was obviously there uh, about four years before myself, but just a great place to work. Uh, you know, it was all about the produce. Uh, you know, Robbie would have been like, every herb had to be, you know, perfectly chopped, but then the River Cafe was all about that herb has to be perfectly picked that day. So it was all, it was just a great experience. And then for me, it was, it was what I brought then to when we opened Browns. I wanted somewhere that was doing really good food, but the staff they weren't wearing uniforms it was more you know more relaxed but still that high-end sort of dining and, and it's worked brilliant for sure Sharon it really has well then tell me about the different businesses you also do outside catering you are very much about seasonal vegetables seasonal produce using everything that is as you say 100%. that's come from the river cafe experience definitely so obviously like at, at this moment like you know obviously peas broad beans white asparagus all in season but we do a bit outside catering it just started off with people sort of saying look where we do weddings it's obviously a big thing now people having marquees and beautiful beautiful areas so uh, that's what we do. So we do outside catering for weddings, corporate events. We, we launched the BM7 series. We're on a seven course tasting menu. So we do all different stuff, which is good. One of the dishes that you invented last year along with a couple of colleagues to celebrate the Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink was the Northern Ireland Signature dish which uses a shin of beef. Shin of beef. That was a great, I really enjoyed it. So myself and a couple of chefs from Belfast, we came up with three dishes. It was buttermilk lamb. It was Joy Lille and it was born and braised. Went to the public vote and obviously everyone in Northern Ireland picked a bit of beef. So it was born and braised. And as you said, Sharon, it's a, a lovely shin of beef, but it's been, 
it has been brined in like a treacle, treacle and honey sort of glaze and it's absolutely gorgeous, really, really good. And it comes with gremolata, which might not be the sort of thing that appeals to everybody. Tell us what it is. Well, so basically a classic gremolata, so the River Cafe would, would kill me for doing this, but a classic gremolata is garlic, parsley and lemon zest. But this one we said we'll do garlic, lemon zest and bone marrow. So we just take bone marrow, which, which we've cooked, and then we kind of chop it through and some finely grated horseradish. So it's our take on a gremolata, but it's beautiful. Really, really is. A great dish which you now feature in one of the restaurants. We do, we have it on. I cooked yesterday here. I've done it as a demo, but we love cooking it. Uh, customers love it because it's kind of, as we were sort of talking before there, that people were sort of saying, if they weren't a beef fan, but they have this beef dish because it's a braise, it melts in your mouth. It's a great, great dish and people love it. It's definitely worth trying now. Oh, I've enjoyed it myself on a couple of occasions. It's online on, on the sort of uh, the Discover Ireland website, which is great. You are no stranger to television as well. You've had a number of TV appearances, including the great British menu. That must be... Great experience. I love that, really. So that was about three years ago. And the year I'd done it, Sharon, the, the brief was a comic relief. So you had to make uh, food fun. And it was great, great experience. I didn't win it, but uh, you don't have to win it to do really well. And, and after I'd done that, it really sort of, the restaurants really lifted, you know, people, great exposure, as you know. and. Uh, it's been a great, but I came across brilliant. My personality came across, which was great, but just a great experience, quite intense. Like the cameras were only for three hours for a half an hour slot, so it's full of. Yeah, because you would be worried about how the editing makes you look and, and what your personality comes across with. Like, are you a Nevin Maguire or a Gordon Ramsay in the 100%. kitchen? So I was against two other guys that used to work together. So there was a bit of tension. So it was like a prodigy versus the, the master kind of job. So they, them two were kind of, there was a bit of tension. And I just was myself, Sharon. I was no egos. I just came in, I'd done it. And touch wood, I came across really, really well, which was great. And you obviously enjoyed it by the sounds of it. I loved it. I wouldn't do it again, though, I have to say. It was full on because it's just quite intense, you know. Because uh, the cameras, any, any, like I remember making ice cream at the end and it uh, split on me and the cameras were straight away over. So. There's no room for error, but I got it fixed, by the way. I got it fixed. You also did a programme that your grandmother featured in somewhat. Tell us about that. So basically, the National Lottery give uh, funding for like sort of like a women's group, that, sorry, like an old-age pensioners group, to have food uh, three days a week. So the lottery give funding for another two years of that. Sharon, so basically, my granny met on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday, and... Uh, one day I was cooking, so she was so surprised that it was me. And it was a great day, it was on TV. So we just cooked a kind of, we'd done like a braised beef dish, we'd done a little starter, it was like a kind of fancy crab salad, and then we'd done a little bit of lemon tart, and they absolutely loved it. But Granny was proud as punch. Oh, I'd say she was. She, she was. was telling everybody who you were, that's oh, for sure. She was excited, definitely. But it's just a coincidence that the, the lottery picked my Granny's one, you know, and then whenever the guy says, look, it's actually the Nelson Drive one, I said, that, that's the one my Granny goes to, so it was absolutely great. There's loads happening in Derry in terms of the food scene here. It's just amazing. So if you were to try to entice a visitor to make the drive, say, from the bottom part of Ireland, what would you say to them? Well, obviously, for me, Northern Ireland is absolutely great. But definitely the city has just come on leaps and bounds the last eight years. But for me, I would obviously stay in a tower house for a night and then come up and then maybe try Brownswater side, which is the kind of sort of higher end fine dining, but it's really relaxed atmosphere. And then obviously Browns and Town, Sharon, it's quite casual, but it's a bit of, bit of funky music on. It's really, really good. And then take a drive down Letter Kennedy, Browns in the Green. But there's loads of places here, loads of beautiful hotels, all the different types of restaurants in the city now. So it's a great couple of days as well. Because like, I love traveling down to Galway. I love going to Cork. But 
it has to be a two-day thing. You have to plan two days because you need it because a it's driving, stay over. There's lovely country houses here apart from a tower, of course, but there's all there's other stuff which is great to see. Well, listen, you'll have to come down to Limerick and see us there soon. I will. Happy days, I will. Best of luck now with the, the food Oscars. We hope you, you get the best thank restaurant in, in Ulster. And thanks so much for talking to me today. Sure, thank you very much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Great to talk to Ian and we'll have to hold him to his promise to come and visit us here in West Limerick very soon. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks to everyone in Derry for talking to me. Julie and Kevin Hickey, Kieran Breslin, Melanie Hardy, Thomas Hughes, Barry O'Brien, Siobhan Riley and Chef Ian Orr. Also a big thank you to Vivian Gleeson in Tourism NI who helped organise my trip to Derry and set up the interviews for me. I hope tonight's programme has inspired you to take a trip to the maiden city it is it is a long drive yep it is a long drive but it's well worth it and it's always great to visit somewhere new the discovernorthernireland.com website is a great source of information and will help you to plan your trip now before i completely finish up i want to tell you about a food event taking place in limerick city tomorrow night that's wednesday the 29th of march it's on in the workbench venue that bank of ireland have on o'connell street and it's the first night of the workbench food series and i'll be there to chair a great lineup of speakers that includes Birgitta head and curtain from the burn smokehouse R.D. Clifford, Chair of the Blossnerin Irish Food Awards, is going to be there. And also Joe O'Connor, who is Commercial Director of Truly Irish. It is a free event to attend and the theme is the impact entering awards can have on your food business. So awards is something that comes up regularly here in the show. There's a lot of interest around it. And if you're a food producer and you want to find out about the challenges and benefits of entering an award system, or if you have indeed won a few and have something to share, then this would be a great event for you. Equally, if you're a consumer or a food enthusiast and want to get an insight into how these awards work, please feel free to come along to the workbench at 6.30pm tomorrow night. That's Wednesday the 29th of March at the workbench venue that Bank of Ireland has on O'Connell Street. Thanks so much for tuning in this evening and until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!